Welcome back to day four of our sixth week of looking through First and Second Kings. We turn today to begin to look at the faith of some of the good kings of Israel, and especially Judah. When I think about their faith, I really think about what it's like to have to swim upstream in difficult waters. I can remember the swimming hole that I used to swim in in the Russian River when I was a kid. Big swimming hole. Most of it you could swim in and really enjoy, but if you got too far out, there was a portion of it where the current was so fast, you could actually swim as fast as you could against the current and get nowhere. And if you stopped swimming for just a second, boom, you would just go straight downstream because the current was so strong. Well, that's the way our world is. There is a current of evil in our world that's very, very strong. And many times as followers of Christ trying to live the life that he wants us to live, we feel like we're in that current trying to swim upstream. And the truth of the matter is you get tired. Sometimes we we feel like we're having to fight it like a swimmer. And we feel like years of swimming and we've gotten nowhere. I want to share with you, and we're going to see in the lives of these kings, that there is another alternative. It's called getting in a boat with a motor. It's called trusting in a power source that's outside of yourself. We don't just trust in ourselves in this world. We're trusting in God's power. My power, it's not greater than the current of this world, but God's power is much greater, and it's going to last forever. So as we come to the end of 2 Kings, read through these chapters, Israel and Judah, the nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are about to fall. And following the ministries of the prophets Elijah and Elisha, it's going to be mostly downhill. There's a lot of kings that don't do what the Lord told them to do, do not follow in the ways of the Lord. And yet there are a few kings who stand up for what's right in the midst of the wrong. They seem to be able to find that boat with a motor in it to carry themselves and their entire nation out of a time of decline and into a period of faith during their reign. The prominent three of these are named Joash, and Hezekiah, and Josiah. Each of them were faithful to the Lord when it wasn't the pattern of their day. And each of them found the power to change a nation during their reign. And as we look at their lives, I want to ask the question, what made the difference? Because we can learn from them what made the difference. And we're going to see, looking at their lives over the next several days, that they show us where to find the kind of power to have an outstanding faith, a faith that stands out from the crowd, that makes a difference even when no one else is making a difference. There was a significant accomplishment that the faith that each of these had brought to their reigns. Joash rebuilt the place of worship, the temple, because he had faith. Hezekiah removed the high places of idol worship, of false worship, because he had faith. And Josiah rediscovered God's word. He renewed the covenant with God's people because he had faith. These accomplishments, each of them, teach us about what it takes to have an outstanding faith. So we're going to start today by looking at Joash. He was the man who repaired the temple, who rebuilt the place of worship. Listen to what happens in 2 Kings chapter 12, starting in verse 1. In the seventh year of Jehu, Joash became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother's name was Zebiah, and she was from Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. All the years Jehoiada the priest instructed him. And one of the things that he did that was right is he rebuilt the place of worship. There's something in my life, in your life, that we can learn from Joash. If you're going to have an outstanding faith, the place of worship has to remain strong in your life. It is the foundation of your faith. Years ago, when Shondell and I, my wife and I were younger, we were in a flood that completely destroyed our community. All the houses were destroyed. The street that was in front of us was totally destroyed. It just became dirt, just just was washed away. But the main street that was a few streets over from us, it wasn't affected at all. We drove on it after the flood, just as before the flood. The difference was our street had been just 
laid on dirt. This other street, one of the main streets, they'd brought in gravel. They'd put in a really good foundation under this street. So even when the flood came through, it didn't destroy the street. It had a good foundation. Worship provides the foundation that you need in a busy world. How long has it been since you really worshiped? How, how often do you, do you worship? Not just attend worship, that's not what I'm talking about, but give your attention to worship. When you look at Joash's experience, it reminds us of some wonderful truths about keeping worship at the center of our inner lives. If I'm gonna keep worship at that foundational place in my life, there are three or four things I gotta do. First, you have to be willing to pay the price. There is a price to be paid. Now, in Joash's case, he was rebuilding a temple. There was a literal cost to be paid. In verses four down through verse five, Joash said to the priest, collect all the money that is brought as sacred offerings to the temple of the Lord. The money collected at the census, the money received from personal vows, and the money brought voluntarily to the temple. Let every priest receive the money from one of the treasurers and let it be used to repair whatever damage is found in the temple. It takes money to invest in this place of worship. That's part of the cost. And when you look at your life, at my life, there is a personal cost to worship. The greater cost is not financial. Really, the greatest cost is your time. You give your valuable time to worship the Lord, time from your day, time from your weekend. The price that you pay is an investment. It's an investment in your faith. It's an investment in eternity. It is worth it. So many times we think, I don't have time to worship. I go through the same feelings. I don't have time to go to small group. I've got something more important to do. When the truth of the matter is, if I'm gonna have an outstanding faith, I gotta pay the price to worship. And many times that's the cost of giving it the time that it deserves. Second thing that we learn to do from King Joash is you have to constantly reevaluate your commitment to worship. You can't just say, I'm committed to it and then forget it. You have to keep reevaluating it. Listen to what happens in verses six down through verse eight. By the 23rd year of King Joash, the priest still had not repaired the temple. Therefore, King Joash summoned Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and asked them, why aren't you repairing the damage done to the temple? Take no more money from your treasurers, but hand it over for repairing the temple. And the priest agreed that they would not collect any more money from the people and that they would not repair the temple themselves. Once you've made a commitment to worship, you can't just put it on automatic because you'll automatically forget it. By the 23rd year of the reign, the job was still not done. Joash said, this is what you're supposed to do, but it just went undone year after year after year. You know how easy it is to forget important things. When you look at your own life, do you wonder what happened to your commitment to daily worship the Lord? Maybe you're reading the Bible on a regular basis, but you're not doing that anymore. You're listening to drive time devotions. If you're doing that on a regular basis, then you have been reevaluating your commitment. You are saying, I want to give it valuable time. When we go away from time in worshiping the Lord by ourselves, individually, and also together on the weekends at church, most likely there's no major break that causes that. Usually it's just because we put it on automatic. And we've got to recognize our tendency to put our public worship on automatic. And if you don't reevaluate your commitment, worship it can easily turn into a rote habit rather than a meeting with God. And then you'll spend less and less time doing it and sometimes even stop doing it because of that. So you have to reevaluate in order to keep worship at the center of your life. And then a third thing that you have to do that we learned from Joash is you have to constantly reorganize to keep your commitment fresh. Joash had to reorganize the way this work was being done in order to get it done. Now notice we just read the priest said, we won't do the work ourselves. He fired them 
so that he could get the right people in to do the work. He rearranged the accounting procedures, and later he's going to reappoint some different men to supervise the work. When you look at your life, if you're going to keep worship at the center of your life, some, some reorganization is necessary to renew your commitment to worship. Often, one little change can make a huge difference. And you have to do that to keep worship fresh in your life. It can be small things like a different time or a different place for your daily worship of the Lord. You begin to do it at noon or at night rather than in the morning as you usually have. Or usually you've gone into your office and you've spent a few minutes before work there. But then you decide, you know, during this season, I'm going to spend a few minutes outside talking to the Lord, reading his word before I start the day. It's amazing what a little change can do for your worship. It might mean a different weekend schedule. You get up a little bit earlier. You you share the workload differently. Your family has changed. There's more busyness in the morning. You got to share the workload. Guys, if you happen to be sitting out in the car waiting for your family, honking the horn, hoping they're going to get there on time, guess what? Maybe you need to share the workload a little bit more so that everybody can worship in a better way. It could be simple things like going to bed earlier so you can wake up more refreshed in order to worship the Lord. It could be trying something different in your worship time. Maybe you've never sung during that time. Now, you you can do it in your car or someplace where nobody will ever hear you, but you can try singing a song or some other different thing. Read more verses or fewer verses. Read from a different translation. It's amazing how reorganizing just a few little changes can make a huge difference in your time of worship. If your worship has grown stale, try something different. You don't go away from God's Word. You don't go away from prayer. Those are the foundations, but you just do it in a little bit different way. These are the things that we learned from Joash about how we can keep worship at the center of our lives. And that's one of the keys to living with an outstanding faith. I want to pray for you and I both that God will give us encouragement in this. Lord, I pray that you'll encourage us in this habit of worship. Lord, help us to remember that when we connect with you, it changes everything about us. And Lord, if it has grown stale, if we are growing tired in our worship, I pray you'd give us wisdom wisdom in how to recommit to worship, wisdom in how to change one small thing, wisdom in how to make sure it stays foundational and important in our lives, because you're important in our lives. And we never want to go away from that. In fact, in this moment right now, we we worship you. We just take a deep breath in and let it out, and we relax in your presence for this moment, Lord. In your name, we worship you. Amen. Tomorrow, we're going to begin to look at Hezekiah, who teaches us how to deal with the distracting influences in our lives. 